Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, your flight to Bristol has been delayed once again. But for your entertainment purposes, please listen to the Baggage Claim Monday edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. The white zone is for immediate unloading and loading of passengers only. No parking in the white zone. Thank you. Yes, this is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, May 8, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. Taylor Schwink is working from Bristol, and I'm Buster Only from working from the Salt Lake City Airport on my way home to Montana. Taylor, how you doing? Doing well, Buster. This is, uh, I think we tried to do the Salt Lake City Airport a couple weeks ago. It was a little bit rowdy there, um, but this is this is like the new transitory spot for you on your way home from Sunday Night Baseball, it seems, so we better get used to it. Well, at least it is for this week. It's funny because it's early in Sunday Night Baseball this year. We've had all these games in, you know, in Houston and in Texas and a couple, one in San Francisco, one in San Diego. Uh, and uh, coming up, a whole lot of games on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll be working from the Minneapolis airport going forward. Last night, we had the Dodgers and Padres on Sunday Night Baseball. You know, we interviewed Fernando Tatis Jr. just before first pitch, which has seemingly been good luck for the players who participate. Fernando doubled in his first plate appearance and then scored when this happened. Here's Manny Machado, the third baseman. The righty steps in, swings at the first pitch, lines it in the right center field. Tatis Jr., he's being waved home. The ball rolls all the way to the wall. Tatis Jr. scores easily, and trotting into second is Manny Machado with an RBI double to start this game. Padres with a 1-0 lead over the Dodgers. Man, that crowd was fired up. That was John Triffin on ESPN Radio with that call. Tatis Jr. continued to make an impact. On one pitch, fastball is looped into right field, coming on and making the diving catch is Fernando Tatis Jr. Dove head first, came up with it, showed the ump. What a play in right. And early on, Joe Musgrove was dealing. He had tremendous stuff. It got to the point where I, you know, after the first or second inning, I said to Andy Jacobson, our, our producer, you better start clipping off some stuff because he was that dominant. Top of the fifth inning, the Dodgers got their first hit. 2-2 pitch, just served out into right field over the leaping first baseman, Cronenworth. Chris Taylor just stuck out his bat and got himself a two-out single here in the top of the fifth. In the ninth inning, the Padres had a 2-1 lead, and closer Josh Hader, probably the best in the business at this point, was in the game trying to finish it off for San Diego, and this happened. The 3-1 pitch, swung on, and drive, out to deep left field, going back at the wall, it is gone! Mookie Betts has tied the game in the top of the ninth with two outs. Unbelievable! Yeah, it was remarkable, the pitch that he got. It was down and in, and somehow he was able to turn on it and send it into the left field stands. So the two teams played into extra innings, and Michael Bush a rookie inserted as a pinch hitter earlier in the game, came to the plate in the 10th. The 3-2, fastball ripped into left field. It gets down in front of Soto. The Dodgers will score and take a one-run lead here in this top of the 10th as Freeman comes in off the RBI single from Michael Bush. And James Outman followed. No one pitch to Outman. Swung on a deep drive to right field, giving Chase Tatis Jr. at the wall. And is out of here. The rookie James Outman come through for the Dodgers in the 10th. A two-run blast to right field. 
and the Dodgers take a three-run lead. And that would be the final score, 5-2. to two. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. The Astros, of course, are dealing with all these pitching injuries. Jose Arquiti down with a shoulder injury. Luis Garcia the other day found out that he needs Tommy John surgery, and they had a rough weekend in Seattle. The White Sox's Eloy Jimenez was hospitalized and underwent an appendectomy. He's expected to be out four to six weeks. The Marlins played the Cubs. This is how the Marlins took a lead in the top of the 14th inning. The Miami Marlins, who are trying to strike first here in the 14th. Did they just call a balk? Yes, they did. They just called the balk on Alzali. Wow. And now Hampson's going to trot home from third. And the Marlins... Have themselves a 5-4 lead on a buck. Huge. Huge. 940 WINZ. The ones who get it done is brought to you by Granger. With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. The Rays and the Yankees. The Yankees, of course, completely beaten up. And the way their season's playing out, it feels like extra important every game that Gary Cole starts. He got knocked around early, got knocked out of the game. The Yankees came all the way back. Score was tied, though, 7-all, bottom of the 10th inning. 1-0 with the winning run, Lau at second. Swing and a line drive toward first, over the head of LeMayhew. Round and third coming home, Lau. Throw home is late, and the Rays win. Rays win. 8-7 and 10. Isak Paredes is the hero. And the Rays have taken two or three from New York to finish a five and one homestand. That from 620 WDAE. Taylor, I'm sure you're broken up by the Yankees issues. Oh, so sad, Buster. <laughs> I can't oh, deal wow. with it. Oh, man, you're rubbing it in. <laughs> Over the weekend, no team had more upheaval than the St. Louis Cardinals. They had a long losing streak. We found out that Wilson Contreras has been shifted out of his role as catcher. This is one month into a five-year, $87.5 million deal. On Sunday, things stabilized a little bit for the Cardinals. They actually had a 3-2 lead top of the sixth inning when this happened. The 3-2 is swinging a fly ball left field. This one's deep. This one's got a chance. And that ball is gone. A home run. Jake Rogers, grand slam, home run, and the Tigers have taken a 6-3 lead here in the sixth. That from Dan Dickerson, 97.1 the ticket. But you know what? The Cardinals would come back in the bottom of the sixth. The pitch. He swings and hits it out of here. That's a home run to right field. Three-run shot. Donovan puts the Cardinals on top, 7-6. I smell the coffee brewing with that swing by Brendan Donovan. That from John Rooney on the Cardinals radio network, and it was Paul Goldschmidt who applied the coup de grace on the bottom of the eighth. With a runner at second, Goldschmidt swings and hits it deep. That's a three-home run game with a home run in Big Macklin. 12-6 Cardinals. The reigning National League most valuable player has been the most valuable player of the day today, big time. 
the Braves and the Orioles. Taylor, this was a great series between these two teams. Would you agree with me down in Atlanta? Yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, the Orioles blew out the Braves on Friday and then the Saturday and Sunday games were so close. Uh, you know, they went to 12 on on Sunday and it, it got to a point where I was like, all right, bullpen's expended. We need to just move on here. Uh, you know, it, it gets it. Sometimes it's like that. But, uh, you know, it was it was good to see them go toe to toe with one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah. And they, the Orioles look like one of the best teams in baseball during the course of this game. It was two all bottom of the 12th inning. Michael Harris at the plate. And the pitch on the way is hit in the air and hit well. Left center. McKenna on his horse, racing back, looks up, hits the base of the wall. Around third and scoring is Ozzie Albies. Braves win. Michael Harris crushes the first pitch off the base of the fence in left center field. Ozzie cruises home and the Braves win the game and the series from the Orioles. That from 680, the fan, the Mets are having a hard time these days. They faced the Rockies and lost a home series to Colorado. Colorado took control of this game in the top of the fifth inning. Here's a swing by Doyle, driven to deep right, over the head, and gone! Touch him all time, his first major league home run for Brenton Doyle. A two-run shot. A seven-run fifth inning, 10-4, Rockies. That from 850 KOA, the Mets are already seven games behind the Braves in the National League East after losing on Sunday 13-6. They are tied with the Marlins. A couple of other notes, A's announcer Glenn Kuyper was suspended for using a racial slur during a broadcast on Friday. NBC Sports California said in a statement that Kuyper will remain off the air until a review of what happened while he described a trip to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum during that Friday broadcast is completed. Kuyper apologized Saturday in a statement released by NBC Sports California that said, in part, I could not be more sorry and horrified by what I said. Museum President Bob Kendrick issued a statement about Kuyper on Twitter on Saturday, saying, in part, the word is painful and has no place in our society. And while I don't pretend to know Glenn's heart, I do know that my heart is one of forgiveness. And Vita Blue, the former MVP, the American League and Cy Young Award winner passed away at age 73. We're going to be hearing from Tim Kirch and more about Vita Blue. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, the Low Post and the Hoop Collective. New episodes out today, wherever you're listening to this podcast. A lot of playoff action over the weekend in the NBA. Even more tonight. So check those out. The Low Post and the Hoop Collective, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and on YouTube. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirchner. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirchner, who covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, how you doing on this Monday? I'm well, Buster. How's it going? I'm good. Uh, keeping Trying to keep my voice down to some degree because I'm sitting in the airport in Salt Lake City. Have you ever been to Salt Lake City? Uh, yeah, I covered basketball very briefly for Sports Illustrated, and I flew to from Maryland to Salt Lake City to interview Greg Ostertag, who is like the seven-foot center for the Utah Jazz. And I didn't have much time to do it, so I flew in. I, like, met him somewhere. I got on a plane and flew back home. I just flew here. I just flew there to do one interview with Greg Ostertag, and that's the only time I've ever been to Salt Lake City. And it was great. So that is the first and the last mention of Greg Ostertag on the Baseball Tonight podcast. Uh, We have mentioned before Vita Blue, who passed away over the weekend, and, you know, I had a couple people ask me about this on radio, like, you know, who's Vida Blue? And, and I was trying to explain to him, like, there was a period of time, like six, seven year period where he was one of the biggest superstars in the game. But it feels like he's been forgotten in baseball history. What do you think? Yeah, he's a borderline Hall of Famer buster. I mean, he won 209 games. He had a 327 ERA, won a Cy Young and, a, and an MVP in 71. Buster, 71, he was a comet it was unbelievable how big he was in 1971 he went 24 and 8 182 era struck out 301 guys came out of nowhere and was just firing and throwing as hard as any man you've ever seen at least at that time and he was so athletic he was so good he was so colorful my dad took his three boys to RFK Stadium in 1971 because Vita Blue was pitching that day and he threw a four hit complete game and we were just mesmerized. We went there to see this comet who was coming through and his name was Vita Blue. He got in some trouble later, but at the same time, he is was a wonderful man. And you're right for that that period uh, for six or seven years when the A's won three championships. He's right in the middle of all of that. And uh, I don't think people truly understand how dominant a pitcher he was. Before I talk about like what a big superstar he was, you, you said, you know, he was a wonderful man. I never spoke to him. Tell me about your interactions with him. Yeah. You know, he's from Louisiana, so he's a real Cajun. So we we had a few laughs about eating Cajun food and what a wimp I am and how it upsets my stomach. But I, I love talking to him about those old A's teams. And, and I also got him to laugh once because Buster, he's the, He's the last American League switch hitter to win the MVP. He was a switch hitter as a pitcher. <laughs> it was in 1971. So when we talked that through, he wasn't aware of that. He got a big chuckle out of it. So 
Uh, yeah, he had a big smile. He was a warm-hearted guy. I really, really liked him. So two of the examples of what a big superstar he was. In 1976, uh, that, of course, was as baseball was preparing for the first wave of free agents ever. You know, there had been a long time, long battle between the, the Player Association and, and the Major League Baseball owners. And they finally, the players did one free agency rights. And so they're getting ready for that in the fall of 1976. And Charlie Finley, who, as you know, the, the owner of the Oakland Athletics was so angry about it. He just decided he was going to sell off his players. And he attempted to sell three superstar players. One was Raleigh Fingers, who was, a, you know, turned out to be a Hall of Fame reliever. He tried to sell him to the Red Sox for a million dollars. Joe Rudy, all-star outfielders, tried to sell him to the Red Sox for a million dollars. He sold Vita Blue, Tim, for a million and a half dollars. And you know what happened next. Yes. And, and, but that was typical Charlie Finley doing things like that. As you know, Buster, when, he, when Charlie owned the A's, he wanted Vita Blue to change his name to True. So he wanted his star pitcher to be named True Blue. <laughs> Vida naturally stood up for himself and said, I'm not changing my name. Plus, how cool a name is that by itself, Vida Blue? We, we've never seen anybody. When he came in and threw in 71, we just shook our head like, where did this guy come from and how good is he? Yeah, and uh, the, the commissioner at the time, Bowie Kuhn, stepped in and uh, basically overruled those sales of the players in, in the best interest of baseball clause. Something, by the way, that would never happen these days in terms of where the power shift is between the commissioner uh, and the owners. Um, and, and I think it was a year later, he wound up being traded in a deal with the Giants. It was a seven for one. Right. It right. wasn't Dave right. Revering right in the middle of that. The first baseman who was going. But that's how big of a star Vita Blue was. Seven right. for one, Tim. Seven for one. And again, I remember when they turned that deal down and when those three when the whole team had to go back to the A's. That was just craziness. The 70s and 80s were crazy in baseball. Yep. Well, uh, it was crazy in the 70s. It was crazy over the weekend in St. Louis where stuff happened Tim, that I've never heard of. I've never seen before. Uh, Wilson Contreras is one month into a five-year, $87.5 million deal. And it seems like that the Cardinals have already waved the white flag on him being the catcher. Now, they're sort of painting this as we're going to give him time to, to learn more about the staff and what he's done to this point is amazing. But it's hard to, 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 you know, to, uh, to paint this over to try to whitewash the situation, Tim, the Cardinals have seemingly given up on Wilson Contreras being a catcher uh, because apparently they didn't hear what a lot of other teams heard, the Astros, the Mets. I mean, even the Cubs who decided to move on past Wilson Contreras, that he's defensively challenged. And because their team is, is, is such a disaster this year, they've decided to take him out of that role and, and now apparently put him into a DH role. It's insanity. What did you think? Yeah, I'm as confused by this as anything as in a while. Because again, Buster, when you have a power hitting catcher, you keep him behind the plate because you're not getting that production from normal catchers. This guy is different. But you're right. The, the Cubs let him go in part because they knew he wasn't a great defensive catcher, even though he can really throw. But let's be honest. My goodness, they lost Yadier Molina, one of the great defensive catchers ever. They lost their pitching coach in Mike Maddox. 
you know, uh, Adam Wainwright's been hurt. Jack Flaherty, Miles Michael is two very good pitchers. Haven't been very good so far. I can't believe this is all Wilson Contreras' fault. And yes, when you're 11 and 24, you're searching for answers. You're trying to find something. But 35 games into a five-year contract, to me, I'm I'm thoroughly confused by the whole thing. Yeah, and just to review what happened last year, uh, Contreras was out on the marketplace, and there were all kinds of rumors tying to the Mets who were looking for offense from their catchers or could use could have used more offense from their catchers. The Mets never got close to making a deal from Contreras because they were concerned about the defense. James Click, the former general manager of the Astros, made a deal tentatively with the Astros uh, to trade Contreras to Houston. But in the end, at Dusty Baker, as you know, really likes Martin Maldonado, their everyday catcher, basically went to the owner, Jim Crane. He was like, I don't, I don't want that deal. And so that deal fell apart right at the end. The Cubs really didn't work to re-sign Contreras because they were ready to move past him. But then during the wintertime, uh, the Cardinals brass met with Wilson Contreras and they were really impressed by his willingness and his desire to replace Yadi Molina at catcher. And Tim, <laughs> I, yet here we are. Like we, we heard about him starting in spring training, uh, skipping the WBC because he wanted to get familiar with the staff, putting in the work. And they're punting on all that. Like the, the question that's being asked as other front offices is, what is the impetus behind this? Are there pitchers who are saying, look, you know, we, we don't want to throw to him, uh, you know, and, and essentially use him as an excuse. Is this uh, the front office making the evaluation, which would be complete reversal over their evaluation of Contreras when they gave him $87.5 million? No matter how you look at it, no matter what the impetus behind this is, it's a bad look for all of them, I think. Yeah. And look, I'm sorry. I know the importance of a pitcher throwing to a catcher. He has to be comfortable. But at some point you have to tell the pitchers, look, he's our catcher. You guys figure it out. They're all spoiled by having one of the great defensive catchers of all time behind the plate who called a game as well as anyone. All right. You move on from that. You should have known better. But now that he's there, I think you got to keep him behind the plate because taking up spots that other guys could use. And to repeat, you hit have a home run hitter behind the plate. That's where you keep him. And to, to give an example of how fluid this is on Saturday, we heard that, you know, they're going to, going to begin working him out in the outfield and then, uh, and be sort of an outfielder DH type. And then my Sunday, John Mazalak did an interview with the athletic. He said, no, we're not going to put him in the outfield. We're not ready to do that yet. We're going to have him focus primarily at DH because they were dealing with a backlash of this whole thing. Uh, Ali Marmol, their manager, came out and said, one thing I want to make super clear is that we're not losing ball games because of Wilson Contreras. This is a guy that's done amazing amount of work to be able to, to become more familiar with our pitchers and also how we do things. Tim, if they were that impressed with him, they wouldn't be taking him out of catcher. Right. Again, uh, they're not losing games because of him, but now you might lose him by putting him in another position. As we know, Buster, the DH is such a valuable spot to give Paul Goldschmidt a day here, Arenado a day there. If you're going to clog up the DH on a daily basis with a guy who probably should be catching, I'm not sure that's the right way to go. Yeah, and the word clog is also appropriate because this is a team that has uh, an absolute saturation of options 
in the outfield in DH. And now you throw Wilson Contreras into that mix. And, and so you've got guys like Dylan Carlson and Gorman and Jordan Walker down the minor leagues, all these players that they're trying to develop. And it feels like that they're going to wind up inevitably devaluing at least some of them. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It has been such a weird year for the Cardinals, not just because they're 11 and 24, but Ali Marmol, what he said about Tyler O'Neill and and then Wainwright got hurt. And then, you know, umpire wouldn't even shake Ali Marmol's hand. And there's been a lot of stuff going on with that team. And that's so unlike the Cardinals who do everything so professionally and so well. And it's just been uh, it's really been an odd start to the season. So I'm going to give you a responsibility that you you would run from, I think. Uh, today I'm going to make you head of baseball operation to the Cardinals. What would you do today moving forward? Well, I would put Contreras back behind the plate today to say, all right, we, we it was a knee-jerk reaction. We, we made a mistake. We're going to – he's our catcher again, whether we – you know. And then after that, I'm just going to tell all of our pitchers, you guys got to figure it out because too many good pitchers on that team have struggled, and I don't see – I don't see why. And no, nothing has happened to suggest that these guys shouldn't be way better than they are. And Tim, one thing I heard from other teams about this whole thing is if pitchers are, in fact, you know, complaining about Contreras, well, guess what? With Pitchcom device, they can call their own games. Yes, they have the option to do that. Yes. And again, Greg Maddox had his own catcher for like 10 years. And but he's Greg Maddox. He's one of the five greatest pitchers of all time. And he got his way because he was better than everyone else. When you're not better than everyone else. You're going to have to go with what, what they give you, even though you might not be comfortable. Call your own game. Figure it out. And what's nutty about the whole situation, too, Tim, is that when you look at the Cardinals, if you told me they were in first place in uh, by the All-Star break, that would not be a surprise. What about you? Um, I'm not sure first place, but I will say this, Buster. I have had this, uh, nothing. The only You know how much I hate preseason predictions. I actually <laughs> looked at the NL Central and said, I got this figured out. I even know the order. It's the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds. I said, I got this one. And <laughs> it's been completely upside down. But, yes, the division is not great. We've seen some holes with the Brewers. We've certainly seen some holes with the Pirates. We know the Cubs and the Reds are not great. So the Cardinals can get hot and get back in this. I just don't think a panic move at this point was the way to go. All right. On Saturday, you saw the Tampa Bay Rays against the Yankees. Uh, they lost that day, one of the few losses they've had so far this season. Tonight, they begin a series against the Orioles. This is going to be great. How great are the Tampa Bay Rays in your eyes? Buster, they're even better than I thought they were going to be. Now, look, I understand they've had a weak schedule and they're 19 and three at home and all that. But, you know, Buster, every time we ever talk about the Rays, especially offensively, we, we, we marvel at the they have 14 position players. And by mixing and matching, platooning and say, oh, this guy here, he can hit a left hander slider really well. They no longer have to do that. Now, Kevin Cash told me we have. 14 everyday players on our team. Josh Lowe is a really good player now. Taylor Walls is a great defender at three different positions. 
Yandy Diaz is having a tremendous year. Juan Franco is a star, and Randy Rosarena has been amazing. So they're no longer this, you know, collection of, you know, spare parts when you put them together in the right spot. They're way better than that, and we know they can pitch. We know they catch it really well. Buster, they, you, you wrote this the other day. They've hit 25 more homers than any team in the American League. They've out-homered their opponents 71 to 23. They've outscored their opponents by 115 runs every day. They are doing something historic. And the way they came back yesterday to beat the Yankees and get six against Garrett Cole, I mean, that just sums up how the Rays have played all year. Tell me about what you saw uh, in Garrett Cole in that game yesterday and what you're seeing in the Yankees right now. Well, I must say, I'm not seeing much in the Yankees right now. It is a worrisome situation if you're a Yankee fan at this point. Now, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. Everything changes when Judge comes back tomorrow. And I was told that Giancarlo Stanton is doing better than people think. It won't be the beginning of June. It will be earlier. Um, but they got to get healthy, and they got to get healthy now. But for the game I did, the last five guys in the, in the batting order, their combined batting average was under 200. I mean, they had a bunch of guys who shouldn't even be playing in the big leagues, playing big games against the Rays. So they got to get healthy first. They got to get Severino back. He's thrown a you know a sim game. Now he's going to go to Trenton and throw. And they got to get Carlos Rodon ready. And I just didn't get any sort of timetable though when I spoke to the Yankees about when he's coming back. This is an odd injury. It's a back now. It's really weird. But uh, they better get going real soon because the Orioles are good. The Blue Jays are good. The Red Sox are way better than we thought. And the the uh, the Rays are historically good so far. Who seems more fragile to you at the moment, the Mets or the Yankees? I think the, the Mets, I mean, the Yankees are, but the Mets, Buster, I'm confused by this too. I thought, I still think this is a really good offensive team. And yet they have scored, I believe it's 10 different games this year, one or no runs, 10 with a good offensive team. And their pitching staff has allowed the most homers of any team in the National League. So I know they have injury issues with the closer and Verlander's just now back and Scherzer's not himself. I think they'll turn this around. I think they'll make the playoffs, but they're so there's seven games behind the Braves right now. And when you look at those two teams, it's not even close right now. Who's the better team. Right. Well, when we turn in our power rankings this week, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm assuming you and I are going to have the same one, two, three, one has to be Tampa Bay. Two has to be the Atlanta Braves and three has to be the Dodgers. Am I wrong? Uh, you're right on the first two. And again, <laughs> I'm always amused where we say the Dodgers aren't very good anymore. And I totally see it. But you saw the game last night, Buster. James Altman is a good player. They Their pitching is still really good. They still have star power everywhere. So I, I'm, I'm just not buying that the Braves are going to, I mean, the Dodgers are going to win 83 games this year. They're making the playoffs and they can win that division. And they're playing awfully well right now. Yeah, James Altman, I think the classic example of the, you know, the Dodgers uh, drafting and development system. Josh Burns went to bat for him before the draft. This is someone, Tim, who hit 253 as a sophomore at Sacramento State and backed that up with a, another season of 253. But the Dodgers bet on his athleticism. Uh, you know, he's a guy who played football in high school. They bet on his athleticism. They took him in the seventh round, 244th overall. And... 
they, you know, gave him some suggestions on what he should do with his swing. And this guy's an impact player, Tim, when you watch him. Right. And this is still a very good team. And Buster, this, this Dodger Padre rivalry is just tremendous to watch. I wish I had been there last night because it sounded like there were a lot of Dodger fans there last night, but those Padre fans, they are, they are really into this team as they should be no basketball team, no football team there. Padres are where it is and it should be They're They're a very good team. Those teams are going to, going to battle it out right to the end. Yeah. I texted with Peter Seiler, the Orioles or the Padres owner over the weekend. And he was mentioning about how much fun it is seeing this relationship, uh, you know, develop organically between the Padres players, the team and the fans there. It really was, you know, a great atmosphere. All right, Tim, thanks for doing this. Okay. Buster travel home safely. See you. And I had a Greg Oster tag for me. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. After the Dodgers win on Sunday night, Mookie Betts spoke with John Anderson on SportsCenter. How frightening is it to go up there against Josh Hader? Because that guy can close it and he can throw hard. Yeah, he throws really hard. Uh, the only good thing is that he throws, he's around the zone. So you can get kind of comfortable in there. But uh, I had one that kind of got a little close to me, which scared me a little bit. But, uh, you know, I was able to get back in there. All right, give me the rest of the at-bat. It's a three-run pitch. You hit it out. Take me through how you got to that point. I was just trying to get a strike. I got to a 3-1 count, which is hard to do especially off him, and then uh, I got a strike, and I was, you know, just swing it. You know, you never know uh, what can happen, but you got to make sure you uh, take a swipe at it for sure. So you get it tied. You go into the 10th. James Outman, big home run. Tell me about that kid for a rookie. He seems to know how to play ball. Yeah, he's really good. I was telling my family uh, back in February before spring training started that that's the man you need to watch out for. Well, everybody needs to watch out for because I really feel like he's very, very good at baseball. And uh, <laughs> he's just showing it, man. He's, he's, uh, he's having fun, and uh, he's doing his thing. So you take two of three. It's only May. And you've played in the Red Sox-Yankee series a lot. But tell me 
about the vibe and the intensity of these two teams when they get together? Ah, man. Um, obviously, it's fun. You don't, you, know, you want the rivalry and whatnot. But uh, sometimes it's hostile. Sometimes there's fights going on everywhere. Sometimes it's, uh, there's nothing. So I guess it kind of depends. You know, it depends on what fans. Maybe it's the weekend. Weekend series, they get hostile. There's fights every other inning. Um, but it's fun. You know, it's all it's, uh, fun. I just, uh, in between pitches, I just stare in the, in the stands and see what's going on. There's some good signs. Uh, some really good signs that uh, have our names and what whatnot on them. Uh, I seen my, the best sign I've ever seen yesterday, um, and uh, I don't know if I can really say it on air, but <laughs> it was a great sign. Put can it you way. can you paraphrase what it said? <laughs> I, I mean, it just said Mookie Betts eats corn the long way. You know what I'm saying? So I thought that was very creative, and uh, shout out to whoever made that sign. Uh, you see it. You talk about weekend search. You see him again next weekend. Is there anything you yeah. learned about him that you didn't know? that you can you can take into next weekend um not really i mean we see each other a lot um this year is different a little bit because of the schedule but uh you know it's a lot uh, there are a lot of new faces but it's pretty much the same guys you know uh, mm-hmm. they brought in some vets so they've been around for a while um, they're gonna be good they're, they're really good it's gonna be a tough series no matter uh no matter where we play and no matter who pitches it's gonna be tough freddie freeman spoke with john triffin and doug glanville on espn radio here we're six-time All-Star Freddie Freeman. Freddie, Dodgers are hot right now. You've won seven of your last eight. What's turned around for you guys right now? Uh, I think we're just kind of finally put it all together. There's one game we'd hit, one game we wouldn't hit. You know, it's just kind of the the first month. That's kind of how it goes up and down. Kind of feel out the team, and you know, guys getting acclimated to each other. And now we kind of just put it all together in the last week. Well, Freddie, speaking of acclimation, how about yourself personally? You know, there's a lot of turmoil last year just sort of getting adjusted and mm-hmm. you settled in had another great season so what's it looking like in 2023 uh, it's it's a lot better it was a nice off season uh, a lot less stressful so it's been great uh you know family's all situated charlie my oldest son is in baseball he's all got that all figured out so that was just most of the most of what was going on last year trying to get the family all settled feet on the ground and you know with a whole normal off season we are good to go now what about the approach on the, you know, in the batter's box? Mm-hmm. You have a great two-strike approach, which is a little more unusual today's game. Yeah. You know, what are you doing in terms of adjusting as you get more senior in the game? You have a different approach in terms of two strikes. Um, I, to be honest, I kind of treat my whole at bat as a no-one mindset. Um, that's just kind of how I've done it. I'm kind of a you know dinosaur when it comes to that kind of stuff. Most people don't care if they strike out. I do. Um, most people don't care about batting averages anymore. I do. Um, <laughs> Uh, if they didn't care about batting average, they should take it off the scoreboard. You know, and that's my opinion. But I just I care about um, putting the ball in play. Um, if you don't put the ball in play, that takes away three things that the defense has to do. They got to catch it, throw it, and catch it again. So um, I'm I'm a big believer in that. So I'm just trying to put, move the ball forward at most, at pretty much all scenarios of the game, and no matter what the count is. But um, I just try to make the defense have to make. You know, three extra plays instead of me just walking back to the dugout. In today's game, pitchers are really, really good, so I'm going to walk back to the dugout. You've got to be okay with that at some instances, but most of the time I'm just trying to move it forward and put some pressure on the defense. Let's talk about the game tonight. Yep. The rubber match. What is it going to take to get the win here in this series against San Diego? Well, we got Julio on the mound, so that's a, that's a good start for the Dodgers. Um, you know, Joe's coming off of, you know, a fractured toe in spring training. He's obviously one of, one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, tough matchup for us, but... 
I think that's what ESPN drew up, the two, <laughs> two heavyweights um, in, in the pitching matchup and two good offenses. And we've been playing good baseball, both sides have. So it's just going to be a good game, and hopefully we come out on top. Freddie Freeman, appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. On Sunday, Padres manager Bob Melvin spoke with John Schriffen and Doug Glanville. Here with Padres manager Bob Melvin, a lot of expectations coming into the season. You're now a month in. How would you assess where this team is at right now? Well, we're playing better now. We got off to a little bit of a slow start, um, which with the expectations is, is noticeable. But I think we're starting to hit our stride a little bit. We're getting a little more consistent offensively. You know, now all of a sudden, I think we're fifth in the league in pitching. We're getting some guys back and healthy again. So... Um, you know, Tatis coming back obviously made, has made a big difference too. So it sounds like, it feels like we're starting to hit our stride a little more. Well, Joe Musgrove pitching, you know, early on, kind of recovering from injury. What would you like to see from him today? You know, to get us a little bit deeper into the games. You know, he's had a little bit of a tough, you know, his first one, we were on a little bit of a pitch limitation with him. And then he had to pitch a game in Mexico, which is unlike anywhere else. So now this is kind of his first start even after a little bit of a blister thing he's been dealing with. So he hasn't really been 100% nor pitched in the best conditions at this point. You know, just get a good game under his belt and then, you know, move on. You talk about the impact of Tatis Jr. to the lineup, and we knew the talent's there. Now you add Tatis back. What's that been like? Oh, it's been huge. I mean, you look at our record since he's been back. You know, we, I think we were a few games below 500, and now we're a couple games over 500. So... You know, you look at his numbers, the big hits. You know, he's a guy that, that comes up big in big moments, and it's been a real, uh, you know, real kickstart for us to get him back, especially at the top of the lineup. You have a chance to take the first regular season series against the Dodgers tonight. What's it going to take to get the win? Well, we're going to have to play well because you've seen, you've seen the way the game has gone the last couple nights. So we're going to have to be timely hits for the most part. You know, they're going to match up a little bit later in the game with the bullpen. So the one thing we've probably been a little bit deficient is big hits at the, in the right spots. We didn't get them last night and lost by a run. I think it's going to come down to that. Padres manager Bob Melvin. Bob, appreciate your time. You got it. Thank you. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com and someone who uh, knows baseball history, Sarah, over the weekend, we got this situation with the, the St. Louis Cardinals where they have decided to take Wilson Contreras out of the catcher role. And I'm trying to think of any comparable situation for a guy who's one year into a five-year contract. Did anything jump to mind for you? Not really. I mean, it's really fascinating to see. But, I mean, I know you were talking about this over the weekend. Obviously, and there were concerns about his role as a catcher specifically there's no question about the bat but it seems like maybe those concerns have come to fruition very quickly i look at a team that is unfortunately in a really bad spot and it just seems like a lot of things kind of uh completing together yeah and i i, I know ali marmol you know came out on sunday and said we're not blaming wilson Contreras, but the problem is with the way this all played out and you take a player that significance, a free agent, that significance, it's going to come off like you are blaming him. Uh, and I'm, it's why I, I agree with Tim. Like I, if I'm, if I'm, uh, especially with a pitch comm device, uh, I'm going to the pitchers. If the, if in fact the pitchers are driving this conversation and saying, look, this is the catcher. And I tell you this, Sarah, like this is the, the Yankees during Jorge Posada's time with that team, 
there were pitchers on that team who didn't necessarily like throwing to him, but the Yankees attitude was this is a switch hitting catcher who is an on-base percentage of 380 and is hitting us 30 homers a year. You're going to deal with it. And, uh, and that team did pretty well. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is six. So Bryce Miller had another amazing start in his second start of his career. He has now gone six innings and uh, two hits or fewer in each of his first two career games. He is the second guy since at least 1901 to do that. Six innings and two hits or fewer in each of his first two career games. The other guy to do was also on the Mariners, Ken Cloud in 1997. I mean, it's amazing to be the first to do something, but it's pretty cool to be the second. And both were for the exact same team. Number two. Number two is 20. So we've been talking about a ton of different Tampa Bay Rays stats. I mean, it feels like every week there's a different streak. There's a different stat. They went 18 and two in their first 20 home games, which was the best start through 20 home games since 1900. Then they lost one. And then yesterday, they won another. They are now 19 and three. They came back against Garrett Cole with a six run lead. It was the 39th time in his career, including the postseason, that he's thrown at least one pitch in a game with a six run lead. His team was 38 0 in those games before yesterday. Now they're 38 1. The Rays just continue to be on another another level, another planet. Number one. Number one is two. So I know the Dodgers won the series with the very exciting extra inning win. Well, I keyed by Mookie Betts on the baseball. But I do want to mention that Fernando Tatis Jr. hit two home runs off of Clayton Kershaw on Friday. That was the second time he had hit two home runs off the future Hall of Famer, Clayton Kershaw, in the game. It was the ninth time that anyone has hit two home runs. An individual has hit two home runs off of Kershaw in the game. Tatis is the only batter to do it twice, and he's the only he's the last two instances when he hit two of his three. On April 23rd, 2021, and then on Friday. So, Sarah, uh, I mentioned before, uh, you're one of the nicest people that I've met. Uh, So I wanted to get your reaction on Friday after the Padres beat Clayton Kershaw. Somebody, and it was, you know, I I want to make this clear because people say, well, the Padres did this. It wasn't the Padres. It was someone who runs the Jumbotron, made the decision to do a crying Kershaw Video when you heard that, what was your gut reaction? I saw it and I thought, Oh boy, the Dodgers are gonna win the next two games, and that is exactly what happened. You know, 
all of this gamesmanship and fun is part of sports. But I thought Mookie Betts said it best after the game yesterday. Basically, said all of these antics, everything, the rivalry, uh, they're just trying to distract us. But ultimately, we just play our game. So. For the fans, I love it. It's a fun little thing, but you know that's going to fire up a team, and ultimately it's about what happens on the field, not the scoreboard. Exactly. All right, Sarah, I will talk to you on Friday. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Here's Dodgers manager Dave Roberts with John Schriffen and Doug Glanville. Here with Dodgers manager Dave Roberts. Dave, appreciate your time. Seems like this team is getting hot right now. You've won seven of your last eight. What's been clicking for the Dodgers? You know, I, I think uh, we're, we are playing, you know, the best baseball of our season. Um, I, I think uh, it's always seems to start with starting pitching. Uh, we got a really good one from Dustin May uh, yesterday, and uh, we got uh, Julio going today. I think also the timely hitting. I think, uh, you know, looking at some of the numbers uh, with two outs, we've been scoring some runs with two outs, and those timely hits, we still uh, – take walks we still uh hit some homers we're playing good defense so i think right now things are just kind of uh clicking yeah speaking of starting pitching julio arias is going what do you like to see from him early on kind of little ups and downs what are you looking for tonight yeah i, I think with julio it, it's uh just trying to get out get out of the gates uh, fast uh, and not feel his way into the game and you know if we see some threes and fours in that first inning I think that's a good sign and uh, if he's got that slider working with some, with some depth uh, it gets teethy uh, it's going to be tough on those right handers and obviously if he can get that fastball going and commanded uh, it should be a good day for us. Well, the lineup construction a little different this year Trey Turner's gone you know what are you looking at with how your lineup's coming together? It's coming 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 together nicely. I, I think uh, you know we've got some guys that we run out there every night, uh, and we've got some other guys that we play uh, versus right, uh, Peralta, Hayward, and then we got some other guys that we play versus left. And uh, so I think that the dynamic, the construct of uh, of our lineup, guys understand their roles, they're starting to perform better, more consistently. So uh, I, I like the way that we've sort of allowed. A, have the ability to attack a certain pitching staff, uh, you know, regardless of handedness. The rookies have really stepped up here early in this season. How, what have you said to them? What have you seen from them that have allowed them to contribute early on? You know, uh, just kind of supporting them. Um, I, I think uh, James Outman is leading the charge and uh, was a rookie of the month in April. And uh, Miguel Vargas uh, is really swinging the bat well lately and uh, started off really well, uh, got hit on the thumb. and has got like a little minor fracture that he's still playing with that I think is starting to heal. Um, but, you know, playing great baseball. And so to kind of surround those guys with a lot of veteran guys that have performed for many years uh, has been great. And so uh, it, it's been fun to watch these guys uh, grow. And uh, Michael Bush, uh, who's not going to get the start today, but he's one of our top prospects. So to get his feet wet is, is nice. So it's good to see some youth, some youthful enthusiasm on our ball club. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts. Dave, good luck tonight. All right. Thanks, guys. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. First up, Brad Barber at Brad Barber writes in, is the NL Central the worst division in baseball? Three teams have six-plus game losing streaks right now. How, how often has that have even happened? Yeah, I, I have no idea, but it is ugly. And it's part of the reason why, as bad as the Cardinals look right now, Taylor, I think you agree with me. It's not like there are any immortal teams in that division. I'm not writing off St. Louis at all as bad as they've been as they've been so far this year. 
Right. And, and that was even kind of what we thought going into the season. I mean, everyone was kind of leaning Cardinals, but the, the Brewers have been. Did they win yesterday? They were, you know, they've kind of looked up and down recently. So, uh, you know, not not terrible. Uh, and and by the way, likes. just to follow up on the Brewers, I, I talked to people with other teams over the over the weekend who say that the big question about the Brewers is, are they just going to have a mass sell-off of players in midseason because they're managing payroll? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, that means that the Cubs are okay. They're better as we anticipate. Cubs might do that too, though. I'm sorry? The Cubs might do that too. I've I've seen some chatter that. No, 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 no. No, No, you don't think so? The Cubs are not going to do that. You don't think they're going to? Who's they going to sell off? Could they they sell off Patrick Wisdom? Rental? Friend of the pod? Maybe I I don't think so. I think they're trying to win. I think that this is your progress and they'll hang in there. All right. Danny Hess writes in, did the Padres go too far with the crying Kershaw meme? They put uh, that meme up on the video board on Saturdays uh, during Saturday's game. If I'm recalling correctly. Yeah. Uh, And so this is one of those cases where I think you'll agree with me when we talk about, you know, did the Padres go too far? It was an employee who <laughs> running this scoreboard with the Padres. It wasn't like had all the Padres players gathered around <laughs> the scoreboard <laughs> operator making that happen. And I know from talking with people in the Padres clubhouse, they were kind of embarrassed by it. And Oof. I think they they felt like it went too far. Dodgers were not happy about it, but I know the Dodgers organization to know they probably are not going to retaliate with like some PD reference when Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> comes to the plate. I think they should. I, I would love a, a escalating more of uh, video board operators. That would be funny. No, uh, I think the Dodgers and I, I see because of their long history, right? It, it feels like that's an organization that's going to conduct themselves as if they're above it. Right, right. Uh, Pat Johnston at the Melting Pat writes, and aside from breaking the curse you put on them, how can the Phillies be fixed? I think it's going to take more than Ranger Suarez returning to get back on track. Yeah, so I should just shut up. Right. Talking about the <laughs> Phillies. I, I would say this. I still think that they're they're going to launch here. Uh, I think they're an excellent team. Uh, they obviously need to have Aaron Ola and Zach Wheeler pitch well. Mm. Uh, Frank, listen at- to you. I can hear the skepticism in your voice. Uh, you know, I mean, they were they were bad for like a whole half of the season last year. I mean, maybe maybe they're what they really are. Is someone in the somewhere in the middle of like a really bad team and a World Series caliber team. But. You know, if you got two aces pitching well, then, you know, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, Frank at F Bonfig seven writes and Buster. I know you will be with me here from your years covering the Yankees. I just heard the rabbi train all aboard say Padres Dodgers is the best rivalry in baseball. It can't possibly be better than Yankees socks, right? Yeah, but this is one of those questions where are you talking about in the moment or are you talking about 30,000 feet right. through baseball history? Like, there's no doubt Yankees-Red Sox through baseball history is the best rivalry. In this moment, Taylor, I got, I, I got to say, I don't think it's close. No, I think not at all. Right now, Dodgers-Padres is the best rivalry. I mean, the energy, how you know good these two teams are, a little bit of hatred between the fan bases. I think mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It was a great series this weekend. Great broadcast last night. No doubt right now. The bet right now, the best rivalry in baseball. Yes. Jatai Joe writes in Garrett Cole has a two and seven record with an ERA of three point eight and 16 appearances versus the Rays in his career. Is there any other team that has had more success against him? Does Garrett Cole have a Rays problem, Buster? Mm, No, I don't think so. But I would say there are definitely teams where, you know, I mean, you guys, I mean, any baseball fan remembers Pedro Martinez against the Yankees 
where eventually he lost them so often at a time when he was the best pitcher in baseball that he was like, the Yankees are my daddy. You know, that can <laughs> yes. happen with great pitchers. Last one for today, Andrew DeSalvo at DeSalvotion writes, and this may hit too close to home for Taylor, but do you think the Orioles are considering sending Gunnar Henderson back to AAA for two to three weeks to get back on track for or for a prospect of his talent? Do teams usually have to work it out in the majors? I've heard, you know, the Yankee or the uh, the Yankees, the Orioles group chat, a little bit of chatter about this, but I don't, I cannot see it happening. Well, then, then they've kept him in prominent places in the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. And when I yeah, saw he's batting cleanup yesterday. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm watching his plate appearances. I think they're competitive. I think they're good. I would say I think he's aggressive right now. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, he probably is trying to, you know, get three hits every plate appearance, like a lot of young players do that. But I, I'm sticking with the talent, right? Yeah, he's been really good defensively. It's clearly in his head a little bit, too. I thought this past week he's looked a little bit better. Um, I think he had a home run, um, just like a little more like energy from him. He's been looking really down on himself recently, so I think he'll figure it out. And, you know, he's a young guy, but yeah, I can't see them sending him. Uh, I, I do think this is a classic case. We saw what happened with the Cardinals. The team was playing bad, and guess who paid the price? The young player on the team, Jordan Walker, where they're like, hmm, we have to figure out a way to upgrade the offense from the number eight spot in the lineup. <laughs> the fact that the Orioles are playing so well, I think buys time for you know, Gunnar Henderson to figure it out. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. We will be back on Wednesday. So send them in while you're watching games. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. And I should also say, you know, thanks for the great interviews that we got from ESPN Radio over the weekend. Dave Roberts and Bob Melvin and Freddie Freeman and you know John Anderson with that great interview with Mookie Betts. Just a lot of fun. Stay safe, everybody. Remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.